0: Just go to Indeed.com slash wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: We are back on the Yin's No Ball podcast, everybody's favorite Steeler podcast. They tried to shut us down when the Steelers moved on from Mitch Trubisky and Jukes Okorafor and Presley Harvin. They tried to stop us but they couldn't. We are back and we are ready to talk about those moves. And the people are furious in these streets, Brad, because you and I dared to say that this team tanked Chukso his value and did not get anything for him when they could have gotten a day three pick for him. And in the typical logical reasoning of many, I apologize if you're a good, faithful listener, and this is not going to apply to those of you who listen to this podcast, because obviously you're better than that. But in the good logical reasoning of everybody that or a lot many people that reply to things on Twitter, they thought that we somehow, especially me at least, meant that the Steelers could have currently traded Chuksa for for something, instead of meaning understanding that it was meant that no, they tanked the value of Chuksa for by playing it behind the worst tackle in the NFL in Danmore, one of the worst starting tackles in the NFL in Danmore. So, yes, of course, at this point it was understandable that his value would not be able to bring back a day three pick um people have misunderstood that part of it but yes that is a big part of our consternation here brad is that could they have if they had treated the situation better gotten a day three pick it's a day three pick i don't think it would have changed the world but these are the picks you used to move up on on day two and even day one of the draft and so it felt like a missed opportunity a to just be better than they were last season because he would have helped uh to some degree and b to potentially get something for a player that you had on your roster
2: yeah, we're also not going to pound the table to advocate for drafting special teamers, but you get a six-round pick for him. You just cut your punter. I don't know if there's some no. standout punter that you like in the late sixth round, uh, then maybe it's a one-for-one swap there. So uh, uh, let's go positive, though. I mean, Trubisky obviously had to be dodged. <laughs> it's Trubisky. <laughs> yeah, Trub- well, also Presley Harvin, who's horrendous. I mean, that was the- yes. it was the playoff game. And he was just terrible. Uh, oh, and he- you, like... Complained about it more. I watched all their games this year. I did. I maybe just didn't pay as much attention. And then I saw he was our second lowest graded punter in the entire NFL this past year. Um, like that was like going into the playoffs. I think I haven't even seen that. I don't
1: even know that. I mean, I'm not surprised at all. But that's crazy. I mean, he's 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 bad.
2: Yeah, I I just can't believe
1: that. that he's lasted as long as he has. Every time I watch him punt, it's a reminder. He to me is a microcosm of the organization where it's like we can't even make our punting mistakes. Like this is obvious. Like everybody thinks this guy's terrible and. You can't even move on from a punter. Like, and finally yeah. they did to their credit. They've moved on they from President Urban and Mitchell Trubisky is no more. We talked about that, that would be the case. Um, so none of those really surprising. I'll say just quickly and Trubisky, like it seems like this team is definitely gonna add a quarterback from the outside this offseason. Kenny Pickett will be here. That meant obviously Trubisky wasn't gonna be here, and it probably makes the situation cloudy for Rudolph. We're gonna talk about the three quarterback options that were mentioned um this week in the news. And so I think Schefter mentioned him on, I forget what show he was on, but I think he mentioned him at one point, uh, a couple quarterback options for the Steelers that they'll explore. Given that, that a quarterback with likely some starting pedigree is going to come in and pick, it's still going to be here. It really feels like Mason Rudolph probably won't be. Why would he re-sign in Pittsburgh to be probably the number three when he could go somewhere else and maybe be a number two? That part feels weird to me.
2: Yeah. And I just, I think you're starting to get more and more of a vibe and maybe I, you know, didn't pay attention to the Steelers, but. Like, cutting guys, the first team to make cuts, right? Like, the first team in the entire NFL, day after the Super Bowl, yeah. like, we're making moves. I just – I see more and more of an Andy Weidel kind of influence on what Omar Khan is doing. You know, you saw the report, and here's how it ties in. Philadelphia puts out the report. Also, this is classic, um, like, media media conversations and, and stuff like that. So, hey, yeah, we've granted permission to Hassan Redick and his team uh, to seek a trade. And then Hassan Reddick comes out today and was like, I never asked for a trade. But you know that's the language. But they're not lying. They did say, "Hey, we're hey we're granting you permission to go seek a trade." Um, You know, the guess there is that they just know they're not going to extend him to a contract he thinks is worth his value on a uh, on a new deal. He has one year left on his contract. But but like same thing. We're like hyper proactive. They're they're already operating in the shadows, you know, going to senior bowl, going to Super Bowl, going to Combine. Um, but just not dilly dallying and waiting around and just like getting out in front of things. I and mean, the Steelers are technically over the cap right now. It doesn't matter until March thirteenth. But they're not messing around and they want to get ready for free agency, which is, you know, a month away now. So Yeah. No, I mean, it's the Chuck's thing is super interesting just because we still don't really know the whole story there. I'll try to find out. I doubt I'll be allowed to say it on the airwaves, but I'll see what I can dig up uh, about what really happened. Uh, I think it's the greatest mystery of the 2023 NFL season. Quite Um, funny,
1: especially because he was actually like contrite. So it was like, okay, like we probably are all going to like be adults and move on. And no, they just never did. Like, they were just like, now nah, we're going to keep screwing you over. Like, you're going to sit on the bench while Dan Moore just gets absolutely wasted every week. And, and, uh, Broder Joe's plays out of position. Like, that's how much they hated this dude. Like, they're like, I don't know what happened, but I mean, Matt Canada apparently it was Matt Canada related. Maybe he was gone and they were still like, nope, you're still on the bench. Like, you won't play for us again. Like, just crazy to me. Like, I don't know. Well, it's crazy
2: too. Like, I mean, he honestly becomes one of the top. Tar- tackle targets in all free agency. The guy's 27 years old and is like a starting caliber tackle. Yeah. Um you know which is I know it sounds like a low bar but in free agency the premium positions like maybe you'll get an edge rusher that'll pop through here and there but like tackles that hit free agency like you're not getting great players there. So he's a 80th percentile free agent caliber tackle. Uh you know, so I think he'll have interest, but if he has no interest, then it's like, okay, what, what, like, did something really happened there? Um, if like teams are avoiding him, but I, I kind of doubt that they didn't, they didn't suspend him, they didn't really do, you know, they just kind of put him, put him on the shelf, and and obviously cut him as soon as the season ended. But anyway, I, I do, I think it's just a signal of a continued. Uh, I don't, I'm sure Steelers fans feel this way. I feel this way with Chicago, like the mom and pop aspect, where like the Bears probably will announce their cuts like six minutes before free agency starts. And, uh, you know, just to, like make sure everyone's feelings are like, you know, kept in check, whatever. Like still the Eagles don't care. It's a business. It's a, they're running an organization. And I, and I just feel like, yeah, like uh, Omar and Andy are just cooking, cooking and getting ready for, uh, for March.
1: That's, yeah, I mean, I, I like that part of it. Honestly, I like, they didn't wait. Now we have to talk about the other part of this, Brad. I felt like there were a few other players that could have been cut and they weren't. Does this mean anything? Patrick Peterson is one of those players. Alan Robinson, right, is another. Those are all guys that we'd expect the team to not pay what they're currently slated to make this season, right? And Maybe the maybe thought why. there
2: is that these guys were approached. I guess not Harvin because he can't really take a pay cut. He's on a rookie deal, I assume. But like maybe these were the guys that they said, hey, we'll pay you the minimum to come back. And obviously a core, maybe a core four was just a separate thing. For Trubisky, maybe mm-hmm. like, hey, you were not playable. We'll give you a minimum salary instead of, you know, we'll be owe you next year. And he said, I'll, you know, cause that's where, you know, the, the antenna goes up of the, the tweet from Schefter, whoever it was, where it was like the Steelers and Mitchell Trubisky have mutually agreed to part ways. Is that just like media fluster and a joke? Yes, probably most likely. Yes. But also that also can mean technically the team did come and say, we'd love to keep you if you'll play for pennies. Um, and I'm the one saying, no, thank you. I'll, I'll test the market and go elsewhere. So That could be it. Whereas the guys you just mentioned, like they'll probably try to approach for a pay cut, but you know they might know those guys are not going to do that or or what have you. But you're right. There's still plenty players to go. It's interesting why those three kicked off the festivities.
1: And I kind of kind of get that with Trubisky, but I also think like man, just looking at the math. I mean, it never made sense money wise. His performance last year. Their current situation, knowing Pickett is one spot, we're at least going to, like, talk to Rudolph, I'm sure. Like, they've already said that. Like, that would be weird to say, you know. And then they're going to bring in a guy from the outside. Like, it's like, uh, there was no room for Trubisky anyway, in my opinion. So I was, it was uh, Patrick Peterson, it was Allen Robinson, and it was Larry Ogunjobi, by the way, are the three. They were kind of on watch. Those still, all all those moves could happen, right? And I think we would, like, there's no way they're keeping Allen Robinson to not play in Arthur Smith's offense. At what is he slated for?
2: Eight? No chance. Ten million dollars. Zero chance. Ten million dollars T- yeah. salary. No, that was the one where it's like, you know, for example, J.C. Jackson's also on New England now and has this inflated salary for for twenty twenty four because you know you trade for the guy who ha- you get him a minimum salary on the current year and then you figure out the rest later. Yeah, like Robinson's profile from a contract standpoint is the guy you'd expect to be in this press release. Of you know, hey, whatever. So. Maybe he also can come back for a very small deal. I've mentioned he's from he's from uh, Pennsylvania, played at Penn State. So maybe he's yeah. I'll be the veteran, you know, receiver mentor and make a you know a very small amount of money to keep my NFL career going. That that I'm not opposed. I, I know he's a good dude. I've I met the guy. He's a cool guy. Um, I always heard good things in Chicago. So yeah, should he be the number three in terms of the snap share? No. Um, but like yeah, I, I have no issue if he. All right, he's gonna be our wide receiver five six. And like, it's just a good veteran presence, you know, for, for a minimum salary or close to it.
1: Yeah. I mean, those are the ones that I think will be very like whether they decide what they decide to do with those spots, I think is going to be pretty telling because they need the they need the cap space. So and the, all three none of the three of those three players are worth it either. Ogan Joby, like I, I wouldn't mind having him on the team still, but I think it is it does become a situation where, like what's worth the cost. Uh, how much are we going to play them? All of those guys, are we going to play with, you know, if we're playing with two defensive tackles most of the time and we have our two, can we pay less to get a third one? That's pretty comparable to Ogunjobi. I think there's a path where that could happen. It's a pretty deep position in the NFL. I mean, even Watts, bring Watts back. You know, he played really well last year. I don't think he'd be your only guy, but he and somebody else could supplement that role. I think and he could be a part of the solution there. So those are moves that I will definitely have my eye on, um, for this team moving forward. Cause I think it's important that they open up some of those, some of that cap space. Uh, let's talk about these quarterback options that Adam Schefter mentioned. This isn't just anybody mentioning these things Schefter is. So when he says it, there's some validity to it talked about Mike Tomlin being a Justin Fields fan. Um, so that being a potential option, he also mentioned, I think he mentioned, or maybe it was somebody else that be a fit with Arthur Smith. I don't know if I totally agree with that part. Like, I think that's pretty weird uh, potentially, I guess, but I don't really see that. Um, and then uh, he talked about uh Russell Wilson. Dear God, no. And he talked about Ryan Daniel, which we've also surmised probably will be here. As you heard all these three, three of these options, what was kind of your first thought in terms of Daniel's gonna be a free agent, right? Um, and um actually don't know. Like Russell Wilson is under contract for sure.
2: He'll be a free agent. you're not like trading for him. It'd be he'll get cut and then you you know approach him as a cap casualty. And I the only yeah. appeal there that I see is that if there 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 will be there's offsets in his in his contract from Denver and he has a massive what $37 million salary I want to say next year they would still owe him and you know sometimes let's say a guy has a $10 million you know guarantee gets cut and sorry I'm going to go sign a new deal a 3 year $50 million deal with a new team like I'll I'll beat out and cancel out that money with Russ I don't see anyone paying him or giving him a contract that contains that much money and guaranteed dollars. So, and maybe I'm wrong. He's a starting caliber quarterback. His numbers weren't that terrible this year. You know, someone could always talk themselves into something. But anyway, uh, my thinking was, yeah, someone offers him like, you know, a, a decent little chunk. But really, it's just, hey, we're just eating into the money Denver owes you anyway. You come here super cheap. We build around you. We spend around you. We help rebuild your image and, you know, your brand and all those things. We're not going to make fun of you like Sean Payton, um, you know, and, and and bully you like like Sean Payton did. Um, <laughs> yeah, stylistically, though, I don't like the fit at all. I mean, he just takes too many sacks still. Like, yeah, he throws a good deep ball. Like, I think there would be a connection there with George Pickens like you just had with Corton Sutton, but – I would go Tannehill if I was you know, between those two. And then, look, the Fields thing, I know – I think Schefter mentioned Mike Tomlin was specifically was a fan. I can tell you this. I mean, as a person, I can tell you Mike Tomlin's a fan of Justin Fields because, like, intangibly, he's the exact player that every coach, but also, like, Mike Tomlin specifically, he's first guy in, last guy out. He's got a great attitude. He's the hardest-working guy in the building. Like, it's, you'll hear all of that. I can also tell you, here's our Super Bowl, you know, scuttlebutt, some people in the front office are also apparently, <coughs> sorry, uh, are also fans of Justin Fields, is what I've heard.
1: Hmm, interesting. All right. Your Senior Bowl scuttlebutt or your Super Bowl scuttlebutt
2: or your yeah, Senior Bowl maybe. I don't know where was it was,
1: but uh, from Brad Spielberger, the Steelers have a few fans of Justin Fields. Now, this one wouldn't be a big deal to me. What do you think Fields' cost is? Because this one's one where it's like, okay, you would have to trade, whereas the other two, you won't have to but I think obviously fields is like the best play. If you're just talking about long-term like betting on long-term upside, do I think it's going to happen for him? Absolutely not. But I would rather see like that type of play, but I also don't want to give up an asset for him really. So like, what do you think it costs? Like, as you're talking to people, like, what do you think it might cost to bring fields in? Because I, you know, Steelers have a pretty decent second round pick. I wouldn't necessarily, I wouldn't imagine it will take their first, but uh, we'll see, I
0: guess. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
2: No, I, and Schefter mentioned it first. And look, I'm not going to like sit here and pretend I have better intel than Schefter, but I'd be absolutely flabbergasted. I'd be shocked. I, there's... In my eye, I'll say it, there's no chance the Bears are getting a first round pick for Justin Fields, unless it's like part of a swap or something like that. But um, and I'll say this: I mean, Justin Fields job.
1: is one year on his contract. Right? I mean, he's got the fifth year option, but that's going to be a that's not like a ton of savings, right? Like, it's like
2: so you bring him in. The one year that's left is like three point four million. I want to say I wrote the article right. today, so it shows how Vegas brain my mind is. But yeah, is is one year left for like three and a half mil, something like that, and mm-hmm. then a $22 million fifth-year option for 2025. So, yeah, you get him for, you know, two years, 25 mil, which is obviously, in theory, pretty good value for a young quarterback if you do buy in on the idea that he could, uh, you know, take off in a new system and and, and become the player that Chicago wanted him to be. But anyway, I think the second-round pick, 52nd overall, is probably on the table, Um, and then you throw in some day three stuff. Like, I don't think there's any – I was like, only one pick on the first two days um, is, is probably a second, and then the rest is gravy. And I'll say, this isn't just a Justin Fields thing. I, I've obviously been obsessed with this for the last month. Like, I just don't see the the list of suitors being all that long. Like, I had Vegas circled as a spot where I was like, all right, Champ Kelly was the interim GM, didn't get the GM job, but anyway, still there. Well, they hired Luke Getze, who is the reason why Fields is now getting traded, Um, so I don't think they're going to reunite Luke Getze and Justin Fields. Uh, you then have, um, you know, Atlanta. To me, does make sense still. Maybe they pull the trigger. You get a you know better second round picket for Chicago. Beyond that, Patriots? though, it's like you said it again, New Orleans, Patriots. Patriots yeah, uh, has there been some people been floating that? I guess, but it's just like take Jaden Daniels and you just get like I don't know mm-hmm. a, a similar dual threat. They're different players for sure, but um, yeah, it's uh, I don't know if I'd be giving up assets if I were the Patriots. Like they're not yeah. in that spot. The Steelers
1: are at least like you could talk yourself into it. They made the playoffs. Like you can argue about how weak, how real of a competent opponent they were for anybody in the playoffs, but like they were there, they've been there. So like you can formulate an idea where like, if we upgraded that position, it gets better. And I think that's fair. Like you have a chance of competing, winning a playoff game. I think more so than you've had, if you upgraded that position is fields an upgrade that I think is, I mean, he's definitely been better in his career than Pickett or than. uh, Mason Rudolph, Ryan, even Ryan Tannehill recent, like I'd rather have fields like current, you know, would see, I don't know if Tannehill would bounce back healthy and you know, all those things are real questions, but there's like no upside to the Tannehill thing. You're literally committing yourself to average. I would appreciate that about the fields thing. I think mean, if they went for it, even though I, I hate giving up a second round pick for a guy that I don't think is, it like doesn't seem like a good process if I don't believe in fields anymore. And I was the biggest fields fan ever pre-draft, but I just don't believe that a guy that plays that slow from the pocket that is that inconsistent from the pocket is going to suddenly find it. Um, I just don't, I don't think you can win that way, but I I would, something would be like way more exciting about watching him for a short period of time than like Ryan Tannehill, knowing like the wheels are going to come off this thing at some point, like it's just a matter of time. Whereas fields would be like at least an exciting ride, but to give up an asset for a guy who probably isn't going to get you to where you need to go and could keep you from drafting high it it does feel a little bit like a band-aid, although way less of a band-aid than the a Tannehill solution would be. In in fairness to looking at what the realistic options are, it's like, okay, well they're gonna do one of these things. So what uh, out of those things, what do you most prefer? I mean, Fields definitely is the thing that like gives you the more hope than the other ones, even if it still isn't. You know, like uh, when you trade up for a Mahomes or a Watson, probably.
2: <laughs> yeah, I would buy in like very briefly in the beginning and see how it goes. Just because like his team was terrible, you know, in Chicago for the most part this past year was good enough. But, you know, Pittsburgh would give him two legit receivers. He's never had two legit receivers on a roster at, you know, since Ohio State. Um, Arthur Smith would just run it with a, a juiced up Ryan Tannehill offense where it's just, you know, uh, boot action, a ton of play action, uh, rollouts, concepts, half-field reads, all that stuff, and just basically say, here's where you go with the football, here's your first read. If it's not there, take off. Um, and I think it could, uh, like, work to a degree for, for a, a period. It's funny, you mentioned, like, there's the no upside, no long-term viability of the veterans. I think Fields, obviously, the goal would be, all right, he flips the switch, we figure it out, and he's our starter for a decade. But also, there could be the angle of, all right, or the downside is, like, we get a couple two years out of him. We take all that athleticism and open up our run game and everything. And if that's all we get, that's okay. It's not ideal. We don't, you know, we move on. But yeah, I mean, it's. I think it's going to be considered. And I, I, you know, I think there's. I don't know. It's it's worth at least getting excited about. But I, I would caution Steelers fans of thinking it's like a magic fix to to the offense. I I, I don't think it will be.
1: The other thing is that Atlanta, if they are the team that also wants to get involved in this, and we'll see, but I could definitely see that. I I think Pittsburgh will, based on those reports and what you're saying. Like, it, I do. Th- I mean, they're gonna they're clearly in the market for quarterbacks. There's only a couple options. He's the best upside guy, and if they like him, like it's gonna be hard to talk yourself in. But we also really like thirty six year old Ryan Tannehill coming off an injury where he barely played and wasn't good when he played this season. It's like okay, like what are we doing here? You know what I mean? Like, there's not gonna be like. I don't think they're going to talk themselves into another quarterback over Raheem Morris or uh, sorry, over um Justin Fields. It's just going to be a matter of whether Raheem Morris and the Falcons outbid them or not. Like because the Falcons have the 43rd pick and a Steelers pick after that, obviously, in the second round. And so uh you know the falcons also have two third rounders is that juice things if it comes down to that if there is some sort of a bidding war because you're right he doesn't fit that many places but there are certainly a lot of teams that need quarterbacks even if you wouldn't you know there aren't a lot you could see like some of these timelines like they're the raiders and the patriots make sense for him like the panthers need a quarterback probably but they're not going to do that this year like they're going to give bryce young another chance like so some of these spots it's like yeah like it the titans like it doesn't make sense, you know what I mean? They're just going to be with Levis for another year, like so. There, there's a lot of teams. The Broncos could that be one, right? Peyton and I, I don't know. I don't that one's think be so.
2: Like Sean Payton loves these like quick outs, like throw yeah. the ball on two and a half second guy. Like I, he could figure it out. I mean, he had Ian Book and Taysom Hill. Like he's tried all different kinds of quarterbacks. But again, it you know I, we shouldn't yeah. compare everyone to Drew Brees, but it's definitely not.
1: Like, those were flyers those weren't the high value assets like if right, he's giving up right, a pick a legit pick like it's going to be somebody who fits like what he wants it's going to be his ideal guy and i i don't see that with fields at all either so yeah it's i don't know man it's um it could be like i could see pittsburgh and atlanta competing um to get justin fields and in that case atlanta would have the better draft draft assets for sure, assets for sure and you don't want to give up too much. Uh, for a guy who ultimately isn't going to get past you, past the Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen's and Lamar Jackson's, probably uh, of the league, to Joe Burrows, and so yeah, you're in a tough spot. It's the more I think about it, watching the Chiefs win, it's like, man, you're in a tough spot in the AFC. Like you're honestly better off doing what the Texans did. And just being terrible for a couple of years, and sign all these guys to one-year contracts, and just having your all your cap space free once you get all the draft picks in order, and hoping you hit on a bunch of picks, like, which I think the Steelers could do because they've been a pretty, pretty good drafting franchise. For I mean, they've had their mistakes for sure, but they're not like they've never been like well, this is one of the worst five-year like draft teams. They're always like at least solid. So like I think they could pull it off maybe, but they would have to commit themselves to like being bad. Uh, and rebuilding that way, because like, how else are you catching homes? How else are you even catching some of these other teams in your division, like without doing something like that? Other than injuries to those teams, like it seems like that is the path forward. Is like taking those kind of that kind of a swing where you're just like, look, we're gonna be bad, uh we get it, um, but this is the direction we're committed to, and we're gonna try and rebuild this thing uh, much more slower. But it's hard to do that when you already have a, a good amount of good players on your team. I mean, the Texans did it; they traded. Some 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 good players for sure on their team, but it it was obviously ugly for a couple of years.
2: I mean, the funny thing though is I got asked actually like which team in the AFC like next year could could be, you know, I don't know, the best odds of supplanting Mahomes or like beating him in a playoff game. And like I landed on Houston because that was just like we just saw the again again, I think other teams are better, other quarterbacks are better, but we just saw the best version of Buffalo, Baltimore, and Miami that we're going to see for a while. Like, that's the, the truth of the matter. Uh, all those teams are going on paper to be worse next year. Maybe they play better. Especially they, Buffalo. Especially Buffalo. Um, and like, you know, throwing the Chargers. They had hardball, but their roster is going to be bad for a year or two, um, or at least not, you know, as good as it was supposed to be. Like, so yeah, so it's like swing on a, you know, get get a very, very good young quarterback and then, and then see if you can just uh, add enough talent around him to beat Patrick Mahomes because this was supposed to be the year someone could do it and uh, no one could do it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, Ollie and I just finished recording over on Audibles and Analytics talking about that uh, and the the plight of the rest of the AFC right now, the NFL in general. But at least in the NFC, it's like, oh, we can get there. We got a you know Bucks level chance, you know, of pulling it off. You know, whereas the AFC, it's like, all right, we got to get go through these guys like the regular season. We got to top seed them, like everything. It's just a lot. So uh, we'll see what happens there. Obviously, Pittsburgh. It seems like they're kind of just stuck right now, Brad, in this window where. There's almost unless they were to like hit on a draft pick at quarterback and Arthur Smith becomes like Tennessee Arthur Smith again and then some, there's almost no way that they can get out of where they're at, which is just being a middle of the road team. They're kind of like stuck there because of the choices they've made the last couple of years to not really commit to to rebuilding truly. Um, so it seems like they're really stuck here unless they somehow hit quarterback and so maybe you just take your chances you know maybe that's the thing you trade the second for fields you keep swinging a quarterback in next year's draft and the years after that and you, you you just keep trying to make it work like maybe if you're not committed to being a bad team that might be the and and we're and actually rebuilding uh, and getting eye pick then maybe that's the like this is the most um the highest odds way of them getting back to being a contender. It's still pretty low odds, I think, but it's the higher odds way than anything else they could be doing, I guess, at this point.
2: I I Um, think it is. I really, really do. I mean, it's the highest ceiling potential outcome. We're not saying the probability that it happens is very high, but yeah, if you, Ryan Tannehill, Justin Fields, you know, trade the four, I think they were both 11th overall picks too. Um, Anyway, trade for them, bring them in, surround them with, you know, a good coach and Arthur Smith and, and better talent and just devise an entire offense around, you know, what his skill set is, you know, we, we saw the Titans teams. Like we talked, we've talked about on the show, like it was tough. They kind of ran into, you know, some juggernauts in the playoffs, but look, they made a championship game. They won a couple playoff games in years before that. No one's, no one's scoffing at, you know, the run they had for that five year stretch or whatever, just because they didn't get a ring. It was, it was legit. And Pittsburgh's roster outside of quarterback is better than than those Titans teams probably was. Um, you know, so I think it is. That's why I think it's pretty realistic. Cause I think it is actually like they're not going to get, you know, a rookie at 20 that's going to be as meaningful potentially as using their second round pick on fields, add more talent, build up the trenches uh, on offense in particular. And yeah, just maybe just like <laughs> they said, they're going to run the ball and use Jalen Warren, Najee Harris. So maybe they're just, they're going to zag when everyone else is zigging and just become a smash mouth bully football team. That's that's the way they're going to beat the uh, the Kansas City Chiefs,
1: and maybe Fields just isn't still isn't very good and doesn't take the next step. But like, the odds are still pretty good that he'd be better than even the best version of current Tan And if those are your options, Tannehill Russell Wilson, for we don't even talk about, and I won't unless I have to on this show. Like I'm, I'm fully convinced the man is done. Like I just, I don't think he's coachable. I don't think he's going to change. I think he's done. So I'm just not interested in going to that run. No, oh, I'd rather have Tan than Russell Wilson, but. Uh, yeah, I just don't. I I like. What is the better option? Than that it's hard for me to like realistically find one because uh, even if you're talking upside of these guys in the draft, you talk about contract control and age. I get it, but like, if if you're talking McCarthy, going to be off the board too. Like, this, it's Bo Nix and Michael Panix are going to be your top quarterbacks, i I just take Justin Fields. Like, I yeah, I'll spend easy. the second take Justin Fields rather than draft somebody in the first, and I'll get another position I need in the first. Like it sucks because you drafted a running back, like in the first round, and you didn't have to do that. And like, you trade up for a linebacker and like your roster could be more ready to be like, Oh yeah, let's give up the second. Who cares? Like, you know, you don't need that pick, but they kind of do unless they're willing to be cut these guys and be aggressive in free agency. Um, I feel like the chance of getting Jairus Snead went down with the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl. Like there's going to be like, no, this guy's freaking awesome. Like we need to bring him back. Like he's literally the reason we're here. Like, you know, and so I do think it's gonna be hard to significantly upgrade uh, in free agency, but you've got to do those kinds of things in the secondary and hope that your linebackers can stay healthy. Your D line obviously is a strength. If it's healthy, I mean, there's a path for to being like a pretty good roster, even, you know, with that and still move your second round pick, you have to make a lot of the right moves and, but it's a narrow one, I think. And so, yeah, but it seems like the better, the best possible option is the Steelers trading a, I mean, a third would be great, but if it's a second, a second for, and I think it's going to be a second, I, which is crazy to me because Phil's really hasn't been that good. Like, but that's the price of quarterback. Like, if you are not terrible, I
2: mean, like Rosen was was worse and got a second. Um, I think it was the same, second and a fifth, and that. then obviously Darnold was probably worse. You know, my thing is, I do think for for Darnold, not Rosen really, but for Darnold, like probably more teams existed that said like we can untap this guy. The Jets ruined him, and it's their fault. But like, we love the prospect. We love whatever. Fields falling to 11 originally is interesting to me. And, and I, there's a million different speculations as to why. I do know, like, he has epilepsy, which is tough. And, like, you know, there's like, I think some teams were going to be scared of how that would, I don't know, whatever, uh, what the implication of that would be. But mm-hmm. I've said this many times before. I don't think he has issues seeing things. I think he, like, it's still just like pulling the trigger and like trusting yourself. And if you are a belief that, like, hey, his confidence was shattered by a bad organization with a horrible roster around him. Which both of those things are true. Like I, I just think what I'm trying to get at is the the path of selling yourself is I, for me like more legitimate and easier because every every it's always oh we mm-hmm. can fix him was like always the joke like the fields narrative to me I think would be more believable than a lot of the other you know classic oh we're gonna figure this guy out he's he's all the talent in the world yada yada and we're all rolling our eyes like okay like the fields one I think is actually legit. Um, I still am not saying I believe it's gonna happen, but. I could see how a team could say, first of all, he's probably the same age as Michael Penix and, and Bonix anyway, anyway, um, or close to it. But yeah, just say, you know what? This one is a one where he was failed by an organization. Maybe he's not going to become like, you know, the greatest quarterback in the NFL, but he could be so much better than what he was there. Um, and we can get him confident again and all those things. And I think it's somewhat legit to say that.
1: No, hmm. yeah, it is. I, I would be really intrigued. It would, it would actually kind of excite me. Like I'm not a believer, but it would just be kind of exciting to have something like that actually has upside. Like that is the promise of something more. Like, I just think he's a way more exciting player than Kenny Pickett, obviously. Um, Kenny Pickett as a rookie. It was like, Oh, he is kind of exciting. Like he was getting out of structure and he was doing things and it was like, Oh, this is kind of fun. And then it just didn't happen at all this past year. Like all those things were like huge weaknesses for him. Like he didn't do anything in that capacity. So That kind of just like dented my, it's like how these, and that's the one thing I'll say about fields. If you don't have a playmaker at quarterback, there's just such a lid on what you can go. And he has that. And I said this about Pickett after his rookie year. I was like, you see some of the playmaker flashes. Obviously they're way more significant with fields. Like he's just a far better athlete, far better runner. Like he's one of the best running quarterbacks in the league. So, like, you see the out-of-structure stuff, you see the ability to create and be a playmaker, now it's can you work backwards. That was the thing I said over and over again with Pickett. It's like, now can you work backward, and can you learn to play from within the pocket? Not only did, granted, Matt Canada, you know, clause is in there, but not only did he not make progress in the pocket, he actually decreased and fell off in all the playmaking areas, and you realized, okay, these limitations are real. He's not the level of athlete Like once teams wise to him and play a little more contained on him. Like, you can get him on the ground. You can do Like, he's not going to be able to live that way, like a Russell Wilson type or anything. So... Then it becomes okay. Can he get better in structure, and is he good enough out of structure? Whereas Fields, I don't think there's any question. Like as a creator, 100 like he's that guy. Like he can be that guy. Now it's the question: Is can he work backwards? Can he play more within structure? And I think the answer is probably no. But finding out would be way more exciting than just knowing you can't do have that. You don't have that guy in Ryan Tannehill or Russell Wilson. Like that to me is just like not exciting at all. Like I mean, Tannehill, you have the slight. Oh, could he bounce back with the coach? Maybe, but. I, the coach that made him the best he was you know I just I don't think so that that seems really unlikely to me at this point in his career um given where we're at as a league and all the other things that had to go right for that to work those those two years like I'd just be surprised um so yeah that's that's kind of where we're at with the fields thing right now really interesting here you say that there's some some fans of his. Hmm. Okay. That's, right.
2: that's That's the uh, word on the street. Some people in the front office are, uh, are fans of JF1. And like I said, wow. Tomlin, I, I could have told you Tomlin's a fan. I mean, he's just, yeah. yeah. So anyway, Iowa
1: state. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah <laughs> he's
1: like yeah, personality wise. Exactly. what Tomlin likes. And that is the funny thing about him falling to 11 is character wise. Justin Fields, like was like work ethic, leadership, character, like those guys with his tools tend to just be like, Hey, we'll take him high. Like, I mean, Jane Daniels is getting like he could go QB two buzz type, uh, type buzz high, and he's like a lot of like a lot of people are crediting those things. It's like whoa, well, Fields was pretty friggin' awesome in college. Now Fields is Ollie and I have talked about this a lot. Few quarterbacks have looked more different in the NFL, even yeah. stylistically, than what Fields. The Fields didn't scramble or run at all you know how at Ohio State; he was totally within structure. And <laughs> yeah. in the NFL, he's been a completely different player. So he's a very bizarre um, twist that his career's taken, and perhaps in Pittsburgh he could find some middle ground between the two versions of himself that have existed in the past and you know i i would I'd be that fan that would talk myself into it yeah <laughs> I mean, no we is. would
2: we we would definitely fields and I moving to Pittsburgh together we'd have the right. whole off-season hype hype train going we'd be fired up we'd be fired up
1: it be, it'd be pretty fun for sure all right we said we would look at tight end slash fullback for this team um and we have probably 20 minutes or so here uh to I don't know if we'll even need that much because this draft class is so bad at tight end, but um, we, there's kind of this question mark of what the Steelers are going to do with this position right in the offseason. Like they have Fryermuth under contract and they have Darnell Washington under contract and they obviously have uh, uh, Connor Hayward as well under contract. Now the question becomes, do you keep three tight ends and add a fullback to this roster, which there currently is no fullback on this roster? And Arthur Smith has played with a fullback. He played with a fullback in Tennessee too, didn't he? Yep. He did but the okay. Carrie Class
2: game it. for a little bit. They had Blazing yeah, been, they had a couple guys. Yeah.
1: And Keith Smith. Yep. He in Atlanta was his fullback the last couple of years. Now we talked briefly about this in on one of our recent shows that I was just like from watching him covering the Bucks for a lot of years, watching uh good amount of Falcons games, watching good amount of NFC South in general, I just continually not impressed with keith smith as a fullback like i don't think he's a very good blocker uh you, we checked the pff credits and believe that was live on the air uh, on a show last week and uh was not impressed there either so maybe it's like oh well the devil i know and and swinging for another fullback is probably not worth it for me but it's weird to have an episode, like segment designated to a fullback here, but I guess the the questions we have to kind of hit in order are, would he bring back Heath Smith, which I guess we don't know the answer to, but that's an option. Are there other better fullbacks available this offseason that he could target and that might actually be a fit? And could Connor Hayward potentially play fullback? Is that like, I know he's lined up back there at times, but could he be like a full-time fullback as often as this guy? I remember Arthur Smith's going to play a fullback more than anybody except for, like, the 49ers and the Dolphins and, like, the league, basically. So you have to think about it that way, too. I don't yeah, know. Where do you want so, to start with all that?
2: Yeah, I mean, like, quick run-through of free agents. There are no free agents in my top 150. Uh, there won't <laughs> be any in my top 200 or 250 either, uh, with all due respect to fullbacks. Um, wow, what I mean, a hater. Yeah, big-time hater. Um, I'm not sure even when there was, like like, when Derek Watt was one or, like, I don't know. The, the, the great ones, like Ingold and Juszczyk, they didn't even hit uh, free agency. Right. So, um, I mean, Jacob Johnson, or Jakob Johnson, whoever you say it, uh, you know, long-time Patriots tree guy with the mm. Raiders this past year. I've always thought he was solid, can catch the ball, he can block fairly well. I don't think he's a game changer, but I think he's a pretty good football player. So, uh, he is a pending free agent. And then uh, Michael Burton, who was a bear many odd years ago, uh, has kind of bounced around. Uh, I think Saints-Denver, kind of that tree with, you know, Sean Payton, Ryan Pace, all those connections. Um, also solid, um, can carry the ball on, you know, fullback dive or whatever, but decent blocker. Probably better than what they have right now um, and probably better than, than Keith Smith. So, yeah, those are your those are your free agent options. There's your full high-level analysis rundown. Um, but, but to answer your real question, I do think they are going to, Have a fullback. um, And I also think they are going to carry three tight ends as well.
1: Yeah, because Trevon Wesco is listed with fullbacks. When you look at a lot of these free agent lists, but he really hardly ever lines up in the backfield. He's pretty much just a tight end. I don't even know why he's listed with fullbacks, but he, I mean, even if you're talking about these other guys, Keith Smith, 186 snaps last year, which is maybe an indication that this is less important of a role than we anticipated. But uh, Michael Burton was 179 snaps with Denver. Um, Jacob Johnson, uh, was uh, 172 snaps with new England and, or sorry, with Las Vegas. And so, um, yeah, maybe there isn't like, th- there isn't this like use check level, obviously not even as a blocker, but just like as a role in terms of his role that's out there. Um, it feels like one of those situations where they'll just bring in the guy that he's familiar with and Keith Smith and try to keep it rolling. Uh, again, I don't know exactly what he brings you, but he's, you know, in that, well, now he is thirty-one. He's almost thirty-two years old, and I, there's always, I guess, maybe that chance that you hang it up at that point. <laughs> but uh, let me actually look here. You guys have a by position grade. Oh, fullbacks, or do you have just fullbacks? Uh, I think it's all under running backs, isn't it?
2: Yeah, and I don't think
1: other I don't know how the grade
2: specifically works there if they're on like a diff if they're compared to running backs or what. But I know this is my weekly like throwing my coworkers under the bus segment of the show, but <laughs> I don't know, like Kyle used had like a 60 grade this year. And I was like, well, then I don't know what we're doing with, with the fullback grades. So, um, but Maybe anyway, he's not good. <laughs> Maybe he just thinks. Yeah. Uh, letting you know. Um, let's see.
1: How, let's see who has the most run blocking grades as a running back this season for pro football folks. So we can would, at least know yeah. who has actually, so Ricard 326 run blocking snaps Usechek 308, Ingold 239, Andrew Beck 192, and then Keith Smith 124, and Jacob Johnson would be 119, and both of them graded poorly at least for you guys in terms of the run blocking. Michael Burton actually graded okay, so you know he's a free agent. Those are your those are your five, six, seven in terms of fullback run blocking snaps this season uh, amongst running backs. So those those are your free agents right there: Keith Smith, Jacob Johnson, and Michael Burton. Um, Blashing game was actually, they haven't, you guys haven't
2: graded pretty well. He's good. But he's not,
1: he's not a free agent, huh?
2: No, Bears, Bears locked him up. He's a good player. Van, hey, Vandy guy, go doors. Uh, yeah, maybe they
1: can bring him over in the package with Fields.
2: There you go. Throw him and tack him on there. Yeah, that'd be the most, All right, Arthur Smith is involved. We got a fullback <laughs> tacked onto our quarterback trade.
1: <laughs> just a good way to just, just nab him real quick. Uh, you yeah. know,
2: that'd be amazing.
1: But uh, yeah, it's pretty slim pickings. I mean, honestly, those three at the top—Ricard, Juszczyk, and Ingold, are are pretty widely considered the best fullbacks in the league. Although Engold's run block grade for y'all is also not good, so yeah, we'll see. Uh, yeah, but, and
2: I think that comes down to more. What is he asked to do? Uh, yeah. And he's asked to do difficult things. So, yeah, like that's I said, true. we're not we're not bashing my coworkers today. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I don't think we. You know, that should she should say it's, it's a great issue. It's more just like a we grade if they're successful or not at what they do, but um it'd be cool to you know start to add context of like well what he's being asked to do is a difficulty nine out of ten whatever that's Um, true
1: yeah kyle you you can say that about too the grades down but like what he's asked to do and even ricard like is in is in line a lot of the time like those are different types of assignments different levels of difficulty some of the windbacks and getting through space that use asked to do and that offense and ingold has a lot of that responsibility as well like they're not just like Leading up through the hole, like Keith Smith would be in a lot of these situations, like there's a lot more involved in their position and even where they line up. To be honest, check also is in line as a wing, all kinds of stuff. So he's handling bigger defenders a lot of the time. He's he's in line blocking guys rather than on the move, get catching an angle, things like that. Like or getting through a hole, you know, catching really just has to get get half a man and seal them, and then you've created a lane. Like it's. It's a lot more difficult. You're talking about actually actively trying to displace players. So it is like, a. that's where these grades don't help us as much. You're right. Because the context of what they're asked to do is specifically at fullback. It can range a lot. Um, but yeah, interesting. Okay. So we have, we have our names there. We know Keith Smith, Jacob Johnson, and Michael Burton are the fullbacks that are out there that have played actual fullback recently and actually been like a, a real part of what their team was doing. Um, so yeah.
2: Like- right, right, right. Um, we'll see
1: if he likes Keith Smith or not this is one of those if he doesn't bring in, people are always like my, my old boss Jim Wexel at Steel City Insider used to say I always laugh when people are like oh he wants to bring in the guy that he's familiar with it's like what if he hated the guy <laughs> like, yeah. what, what if he was on the roster and he played him because he had to but he he didn't like the guy like so this is one of those ones Keith Smith sitting right there they need a fullback if you don't bring in Keith Smith maybe he didn't like the guy <laughs> You
2: know? Yeah, it's a great line. That's a good point. No, there was one. Uh, I had a line once. It was like, uh, oh, you think the familiarity plays a role here? I was like, I think the familiarity would play a negative role, if any role. Because like, I knew the coach did not like the player in any way, shape, yeah. or form. Um, but yeah, that's it's a good point. It's a good, I think we fall in love with it. Oh, well, he used to play. Yeah, he, he sure did. And it could have gone one of two ways. Mm-hmm. Um. I think you also can just like find fullbacks in, you know, like undrafted free agents and you bring a guy in, he makes the roster for special teams and kind of builds out a role. Um, I think that also part of this, he will use a lot of these tight end types as these H back, like in the backfield type players. I think I've shouted out Parker Hesse on this podcast more than Parker Hesse has been shouted out on any podcast uh, ever. Uh, Legend. Parker Hesse is a legend. Uh, I don't know if he's still in the NFL. He probably is. Um, But yeah, like he's. Probably listed as a fullback, but probably a good, like, more notable, comparable player. But, like, I mean, sorry, he's probably listed as a tight end. Excuse me. But he, I would bet plays more snaps in the backfield. Um, because He's just a true throwback H-back, like, near the line of scrimmage. You know, like, a lot of what Hayward did last year. Um, So that, that too. Like, Austin Hooper has a connection to Arthur Smith. Played from Tennessee for a little bit. Is now a pending free agent. Still not 30 yet. Definitely older, but... I could see him being a cheap near minimum, you know, veteran edition to just kind of be that that solid third tight end. And then in the draft, um, you have like twenty twenty-three version of Zach Gentry uh and AJ Barner, I find interesting as there's like a blocking inline tight end, big dude, six 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 two fifty. Um, Steelers legend, Zach Gentry. Is he still in the NFL? Oh
1: man, he he might be. I feel like he probably is. Probably is. Yeah, he was slightly worse than Jesse James, maybe.
2: Jesse James, he caught it. Jesse James caught it.
1: Yeah, right, that's very amen, brother. That will endear
2: um, me to the, the fan base. Uh, he's a Raider. Right. Zach Gentry's a Raider. Yeah. So anyway, okay. yeah. So like, I th- there is, I think, some kind of interfluidity between those two spots where I think Arthur Smith, like, he just wants a body that that can line up in the backfield or near the you know, uh, offset behind a, you know a tackle and and make make blocks in the run game. So. It's, you know, it'll, it'll be creative, I think.
1: Tried to look for the draft, by the way. Trevor Sykema, so slacking as usual. No fullbacks in uh, his on the draft board for PFF so far. So, t- to kind of roll through and look for H-back types. Jaheem Bell's one that gets listed in some places from Florida State, but doesn't look like he spent much time in the backfield. Just kind of a H-back size at 6'3", 239. Um, so, maybe one name to keep an eye on. But these fullbacks, we're going to have to keep our eye out for him actually. At the, especially the Steelers haven't made a move. Watch out for the fullbacks of the combine. Let's see who looks pretty good. Um, let's see who might because the top fullback is still probably gonna be fifth, sixth, seventh round grade for a lot of people. So we're not necessarily gonna hear about him until like the fullbacks are running and somebody's like, This is actually the best, this is probably top fullback in the draft. And they can't wait to pull out that nugget and then we file it away. So uh we don't watch enough college ball to know who the top fullback is at this point in time. There's no who is that
2: guy? I remember last year, it was Hunter Lupke, I feel like, uh oh. from North Dakota State. He went undrafted to the Cowboys. Who, sorry, who were you going to say at the The game?
1: Northwestern guy that played the super back position.
2: Oh, the heck yeah. is his name? Oh, who was Everybody that?
1: loved him and he didn't end up working out in the league like at yep. all. Yep. Oh, I'm looking it up. Northwestern you have to. fullback.
2: You have to. He oh, was I'll like, they
1: called him super back. Super...
2: I'll never forget Rex Ryan's infatuation with, uh, what was his name? Uh, Something, Connor. Chris Connor. He was obsessed with the guy. Uh, who was obsessed with him? Uh, it was Rex Ryan, and it was on Hard Knocks. They added this like, um, fullback out of college. His name was something like that.
1: Dan Vitale was his name, by the way.
2: Oh, Dan Vitale, of course, Dan Vitale, Danny Vitale Jr.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's fun. Yeah, he didn't work out in the league. Too small. J-
2: John Connor was the guy, and and they called the Terminator because that's yeah, yeah. You know, that's the Terminator's name. And they used a fifth round pick on him because Rex Ryan just showed one clip of a special teams play where he absolutely annihilated a guy. Show the clip like eight times in a row. I was like, run the picket, baby. Oh, uh, get Rex Ryan back in the NFL, please.
1: Yeah, the Cowboys almost did it for us as they, as they almost do many comical things for us. They almost did that. <laughs> Mike Zimmer will be fun, though. Um, so that's really my only thoughts there. Um, I think the people ask about Hayward playing in the backfield and whether he could be that guy. Could that work out? I mean. Honestly, I don't know. Like he played 33 snaps in the backfield last year. It's not really enough to get great sample size from. He is kind of the size you'd want a fullback, and you could even say like the, the definitely the mindset. Like he's physical, but I'm just not totally sure. Like I think that'll be something they have to find out in camp. But versatility's been his thing, right? So like if he can find snaps here and they can use him as the third tight end and the H back and save a roster spot, they'll do it. But he has to prove that he can do that, and we just haven't seen. A ton of him as a true lead blocker to know whether that's going to be a role that Arthur Smith and those guys want. But if they don't draft one and they don't sign one in free agency, then you're probably going to say they have a lot of confidence in him, or they're going to play a different way. And it seems silly to spend this time. Fullback fans are probably like, "What?" But it's going to determine a lot of what this offense yeah. looks like, like yeah. personnel-wise. It determines a lot. It determines how other teams defend you based on like the personnel you put on the field. Like if you're playing, you know, a couple hundred snaps a year with a fullback on the field like that changes how teams defend you for significant portions of the game. That's a, that's a good, a good bit of your season. And so you're, you're, you're trying to figure out who can do that and not compromise what our personnel packages are, who can do that. And also save us a roster spot. If we don't have to go out and sign a guy and we can just play, Hey, we're there. And he can be our number three tight end. We've active three tight, three tight ends active every game day. Okay. Now we're talking about something, you know, now we're talking about a guy whose value and just increased to the dream team. If you can't, then he's probably going to be inactive on a lot of game days. That's the other part of it. Like Connor Hayward probably gets get, gets inactive because unless they decide to keep three tight ends active, maybe Arthur Smith just hates wideouts so much that he won't you know keep any of those guys active. But if Miles Boykin's still on this team, how good he is on special teams is going to require that he probably be out there. So then, unless he's going to be your fourth wide receiver, which he probably won't be, then you're going to have five on game days. And so that's, that, it determines a lot in terms of what's, it determines a lot of your rosters. As silly as it sounds, the player himself is probably not as impactful as what it determines for everything else that happens on the field. Like the way teams defend you, the type of plays you're probably going to run, who gets the hat as another tight end, whether Connor Hayward plays, like it determines a lot of those types of things. So it's actually low-key a pretty interesting part of the offseason, I think.
2: No, 100%, 100%. Like you said, if they don't, then I think it shows some confidence in, in Con- Connor Hayward taking on that role. I just wanted to say, one more name in the draft for this back yes. thing we're talking about specifically um, is Ben Sinat at Kansas State, who really has like played this role. He actually got asked about it at the senior bowl, um, like how he's just the most versatile. You know, he's been used everywhere on the field. He can play in line, he can line up in the slot, line up out wide, and then you saw plenty of him I think he even won like a fullback award, um, the, the low man trophy from, uh, what is it, part of my take, which I, you know, maybe they didn't realize he wasn't a fullback, but he can line up in the backfield and block people quite well. He's good hands, not a great athlete. Like, I think he's like a fifth, sixth round pick still because he's just like a good college football player that maybe doesn't translate. But in this role in particular, um, I think could make a whole lot of sense. I liked his film from a blocking standpoint, uh, particularly when he was an NH back. So I'd keep an eye on him as well.
1: What's his last name?
2: Ben Sinat. So it's Ben and then S-I-N-N-O-T-T. Oh, yes. Yes, he's going on the list. Yeah, get him on the list. 6'4", 245.
1: Played 91 snaps in the backfield last year. There you go. 483 in line, 168 in the slot, 26 out wide. Let's just look for kicks to give us an idea. Let's look at Keith Smith last year. And see what his like was he like heavily in line? Let's see here. No, okay, 158 snaps in the backfield, nine in line. So he's a true fullback. Keith Smith was a true fullback, eleven yeah. in the slot, six out wide. He was. This wasn't like check or some of these other guys. That's interesting. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's what I expected. But yeah, yeah, yeah. For example, Ingold played 81 snaps in line. 93 in the slot, 53 out wide. <laughs> yeah. So you're talking about a different, different type for sure. Uh okay, cool. Tight ends. Do we want to talk about any of these guys? Steelers drafting a tight end. Very unlikely, I would say, unless they're like preparing for life after Friar moves and there's just a value they can't pass up. But they didn't play Washington last year. So I guess it's on the table. But this tight end class, oh my gosh, like I haven't watched all these guys. Obviously, Brock Bowers is going to go high for Georgia, so he's off the board for the Steelers. Jatavion Sanders is actually kind of interesting to me, the Texas guy. I think that's second for he's second for PFF amongst tight ends. He's actually kind of interesting. I don't think the Steelers are going to take a tight end this high, so it's kind of irrelevant for them. But I do actually think he's a player that could maybe – Get some buzz as the draft. Do you think that's true? Like, that he could get I some do. buzz in the draft? I
2: do. Oh, in the open field, he's got some scoot that not a lot of tight end prospects have. I think he's a little bit smaller, but he can move in, in space.
1: Yeah. It's just like the, like, how many teams will even consider yeah. somebody that size, basically, tight end? Cause he, yeah, 64243 243. I don't, I haven't watched a ton. Like, I haven't studied him as a blocker yet, but he's definitely like more of a move tight end type. Yeah. Um, he actually reminded me, yeah. Well, it's funny because Njoku is now one of the best blocking tight ends in the league. But coming out, it was the like O.J. Howard can block in Njoku. And now it's O.J. Howard can't block. Njoku is one of the best blockers in the league. So it could be that type of flip. But he he reminds me a little bit in the open field of Njoku in college. Yeah, I could see that. The other guy, Cade Stover uh, and and AJ Barner, probably the other two to like talk about. The Michigan Barner is just a blocker, definitely a Steelers prototype of a guy they've drafted on day threes, uh, 6'6, 251, tall. I don't think he's really done hardly anything as a receiver even production wise it's pretty limited did make three contested catches last year and only had 22 catches so i mean he he definitely like but even that almost all his catches are contested because he never separates like that's the big thing with him i feel like Like, he's just he's the type of tight end that there's probably 10 of every year in the draft that's going to be playable in the nfl the question will be how good of a blocker is he because he was very good for michigan but everybody else around him was too it's the best running rush one of the best rushing teams in the country i don't know statistically where they ranked but they were awesome at running the ball and so he's kind of a product maybe a pro, there's a thought that he could be a product of the system as well how valuable is his skill set in today's nfl but day three if the steelers take a tight end he's probably a guy that you would be like best bet for the steelers he would be in line with that
2: i would agree yeah um and then uh, kid silver is my my guy of the class like you said it's a very very poor tight end class but he is my Take him in the fourth round. You won't even hear his name for the first two years of his career, and then like he'll pop up the the third year and have like four hundred yards, seven touchdowns, and just be a, a gnarly blocker. Um, is it a Ohio State this past year? Can't really separate either. But like you know, sits down in soft spots against zone, has good hands. The uh, quarterback always looked looked his way on third downs in the red zone stuff like that. Like you know, good 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 like vertical athlete to kind of you know on like jump balls and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, like just not a very, not even an exciting prospect. But I just he's rock, he's legitimately rock solid. Uh, so I'm, if someone takes him in like the early mid fourth, I'll be uh, I'll be happy for them. I could, I guess, it could be a Steelers thing, but I'm with you. Where it's, I mean, he's six four two fifty, so just like Barner. But I think if they do go, it's either a smaller guy we talked about or like a true just like mauling, you know, Zach Zach Gentry inline line guy, six 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 seven two eight sixty plus type of pet dude.
1: I think we have to just like watch and see how fast Cade Stover runs because if he runs, okay, he's probably gonna be the second tight end off the board. He'll fit more places than Sanders. because yeah. he will block and play in line. He, I mean, he was a seam threat all year for Iowa state and you can yeah. look at him and be like, I don't think he can run, but he was no. a seam threat all year for them. He made tough catches down the seam. I think it's contested catch rate. PFF has a 60%. Um, he had six contested catches. this year. He's not a guy that got target ton, but 500 some yards in this tight end class, I think you're right. Like he's, it's not sexy, like some of the tight ends in the past, but I think he's just going to have a real solid NFL career. I think he's going to, he can do a little bit of everything well. And if, as long as he's not like a reprehensible athlete, like I remember Isaac Nauto was right, like, right, his best ball could be out of him. Like he's just that type of player. He's like safe. He doesn't do anything that crazy, but like he's just a good solid, you know, have him in your top 100, have him in your top 75. You'll know, slap a third round grade on him and like nobody can ever say you were wrong. And then Nauto ran out, and went into like a four, nine, six. And it was like, well, he's not going to play in the NFL. And so it's just like, they're just hard tight ends unless you're an unreal blocker with unreal size like Lee Smith or, right. Um, the right. dude who from uh, UTEP uh, who was a great blocker for years. Uh, his name's totally escaped me right now. He ran like a four nine. Uh, shoot, I can picture him. But yeah, there.
2: there's always those guys. Yeah, uh,
1: I- I'll look it up when you're talking to UTEP tight end. It was like probably in the last seven years of the draft or something like that. I forget who even he played for in the NFL. But anyway, if you're not one of those guys, like you just like you can't run a four nine. So, and I don't think I- Stover's is going to run a four nine, but he can't be like. 4-8, you know, he's got to be...
2: His, his spider guy. web's not going to be the, the prettiest the prettiest web you've ever seen. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is
1: not going to be a great separator. But as a number two, can he block some, can he catch some, can right. he be in the right system, ask him to do certain things, he knows how to get open, he makes tough catches. There's a value in what he brings for sure And in, in this league, I think that's going to matter. But I do think he might sneak into the top 100 if he's not like a reprehensible athlete. And if that happens, just because of how bad the tight end class is, and if that yeah. happens... Maybe like the Steelers are probably not gonna t- I don't think they're gonna take a tight end at all, probably, but if they do, it wouldn't be before day three, I think. So I agree t- with you.
2: I agree with you. I'm not even say I'm would go so far as to say maybe not even until the fifth round. Like I don't even know if they use one of their first, you know, four round picks on a tight end. It's just not a priority. They just did it with Darnell, um, you know, last year, like you said. And, and it's a slow growing position. So I don't think we should take really anything from his first year in the NFL. Plus, Stover and a lot of these guys are talking about I like I like them, but Stover's twenty four years old. Like um, yeah, that's
1: right. I forgot about that.
2: Yeah. So, and Barners isn't even listed, which generally means a transfer. So, uh, that generally means you're old when we can't find your age online at PFF um, when you're hiding it from us. There's there's usually a reason. Not great. Yeah. Yeah. Not so, great. Anyway, is this
1: the last year, and we'll be out of the age of old players? Is
0: that?
2: Yeah. The COVID uh, exceptions, I believe so. Yes. I mean, we'll still have. There's a guy who's going to play his eighth. I think his eighth season next season. I don't know if you saw that, he's like 28 years old. Um. He had like two medical and like COVID and like his whole thing. Yeah. Like, by the way,
1: yeah. Ben Sinnott, just to cap off this discussion appropriately 48 catches last year, 669 yards, six touchdowns. He's a legitimate receiving threat for them. Only two drops. Guess how many missed tackles he forced per PFF?
2: I think it was the most in the country among tight ends. I'll say like it says tied for fourth, but yeah, if you're okay, T4. I don't know if
1: that's amongst tight ends or all. Yeah, I guess it is amongst tight ends. Probably tight right?
2: ends. Yeah, yeah. I'll say 26. fourteen. Oh, sorry,
1: fourteen. Sorry, fourteen. 14? No, yeah, 14. way too high.
2: Okay, yeah. okay.
1: Twenty-six. Jeez, wow. Yeah, I
2: don't, I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking of receivers. It's still in my head. All right. I mean, yeah. that's no. That's that's a good number for a tight end yeah. for fourteen missed tackles over over what forty-eight? Yeah, forty. What am I saying? Forty-eight catches. Yeah, that's way too yeah. high. Yeah, that's a good number. That's a good number
1: a 35% contested catch rate is not great but there's a lot of context needed for that. So we will have to get to the tape on Ben Sennett. He could be the sleeper tight end. Was he at the senior bowl? I think he was, right?
2: He was. Yeah, he got asked about his versatility and he was saying he like and I think it was an answer every team would love. He was like, "Yeah, I earned the ability to line up all over because I learned everyone's assignment in the offense and like the coaches like knew it was like, "All right, this guy like coach I could just tell coaches were going to love the answer he gave to the question."
1: Yeah. Dallin Holker trying to be the next Colorado State tight end, huh? Yeah. Make it in the league. Seeing Trey McBride yeah. go off. It's good. Good stuff. Okay. Well, we got some names. We got some names. We got some guys to keep an eye on, but it is, you know, this is probably a position that'll be well down the board for us. Like we're going to start getting into these positions in earnest. I've already started with the corners. I've got Arnold's scouting report done and McKinstry, and I'm working on uh, Nate Wiggins uh, as well. And who else have I seen? I've watched yeah. Kalen King live all season. I, I'm, I think his star is falling. I'm not a not a big fan yeah. there.
2: Keely uh, Keely Ringo Kalen King.
1: Did I say? Did I say Nate Wiggins?
2: He did. He did. Okay. I like yeah. I like Wiggins Clemson.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's who I'm about to start watching maybe tonight. We'll
2: Good,
1: see. Player. Um, yeah. Good player. Yeah. So in in will watch as well, and then we'll see about some of these other guys. Quinion Mitchell was awesome at the Senior Bowl, so I can't wait to get to his tape. Um, Andis Rakestraw Reichst- is another one I want to watch. So there's some guys in this draft and the Steelers, you know, if especially if they're going to trade a second and they're not going to get Snead or Jalen Johnson, is going to be a, a big priority, should be a big priority for this team. So we'll see.
2: And they might have their 20, pick of a
1: lot of them in the first round, yeah. to be honest with you. Uh, yeah, I think like, you get
2: a very, very good football player at corner at 20, potentially. Just if yeah. As always, if quarterbacks, receivers, tackles, and whatever, kind of yeah. push those guys down the board. All the guys you just mentioned, like Terry and Arnold's probably gone by then if I had to guess. And I'll tell you, I had a personnel guy text me that Quinion Mitchell was the best player in Mobile that, that week, which is crazy to say, um, given how much talent was there. But like, he could be there at twenty. And is it, it though? Is, I mean, is
1: is it? Is he the best? Was he the best player in Mobile? Like, who would be projected to go higher
2: than him? That's what uh, that was that's what trouble. I was told.
1: <laughs> I'm trying to think. I just so the players that were in Mobile. I mean, I mean, yeah, obviously you're hearing it from a personnel guy, but I'm trying to think even who would be. Because the quarterbacks that were there, like, like I don't think. Like, Latu
2: Latu or, like, I don't know, yeah. Guyton's probably a first-round pick now A tackle. There were some good players. That's I'm true. Trying to think. Guyton, yeah. 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 That's anyway. crazy,
1: though. He looked awesome. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And
2: they like, put like press, I think will go high. Like, that was his whole thing is he just played, like, exclusively, like, off-coverage zone. And he was fine coming up and kind of, like, bumping and running mm-hmm. these receivers. And, and there were good receivers there there that year, too, or this year, too. So,
1: Yeah. So there's a lot of good corners in this class, but that's what I was saying is that, yeah, if you think four quarterbacks, four or five wideouts, you know, four or five, probably four tackles are going to all go ahead of you, not to mention other positions, you know, um, uh, the Georgia, Brock Bowers is going to be in there probably a little bit, maybe a couple edge rushers will be in there probably at least one, you know, so yeah, it's uh it really is like that kind of a group where you feel like oh it could be a you know corner one or corner two could be now they the corners do sometimes move up the board a little bit but uh definitely could possibility that they could uh fall down a little bit to to those guys so yeah you know, we will see what happens but we'll be coming back with more uh scouting reports on those guys here uh in the coming days and weeks. So until then, uh there's your thoughts on our thoughts on the tight end and fullback groups as well as this quarterback uh situation that isn't really a situation yet, but probably will be a situation at some point here soon uh, for the Steelers heading into the off season. So excited about that one. We'll be back with another episode this week. Hopefully I do go on a cruise next week. And so I won't be around. So we will uh, be giving you a couple episodes this week. And then uh, you won't hear from us next week. And then we'll be back with a vengeance uh, coming in in that last week of Feb into March. So until then, appreciate y'all. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of the Yin's No Ball podcast.